I want you to open to Acts chapter 19. I want to open with verse number 20. You know, this is after the Lord had gone back, ascended back up into heaven. This is after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. This is a few years after that time. And the Bible said in verse 20, So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Isn't that a powerful, isn't that a powerful thought here this morning? So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. That word prevail means conquer, triumph, to overcome, to gain victory. The Bible says mightily grew the word. You know, when we think about that, we think about the process of growth. And the process of growth means to come into existence and develop, to increase, literally to become. And so the word grew as the apostles and as the word was preached and taught. <coughs> the Bible says that word prevailed. Oh, I thank God for that this morning. Hallelujah. We can get by without a lot of things. What We cannot get by without the prevailing word. Amen. Amen. Go with me to Acts chapter 2 while we're here in the book of Acts. I want to look in... The second chapter, I want to look at verse number 38 and verse number 39. <clears throat> Peter said unto them, and I think during our waiting upon the Lord this morning, several times I got the word repent. Several times I heard the word. The Bible says, Peter said unto them in verse 38, repent, be baptized every one of you. In the name of the Lord, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Verse 39, for the promise is unto you and to your children and unto all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Someone says, how do we know this is still possible? By faith. By faith, as the Holy Ghost moves upon the Word of God. And then in the third chapter, here is a little something that will build your faith. Here is something that will let you know that uh, God still worked through power as the Holy Spirit moved upon His Word. Let's go to the time in the book of Acts when Peter and John, in the first verse of chapter 3, they went together into the temple at the hour of prayer. Isn't that good? A set time for prayer. Doesn't mean you can't be consistent in prayer. Doesn't mean you can't be in the spirit of prayer. Uh, at different times. But it is good in the Bible that it says there was an hour of prayer. Just like there was a time for the evening offering and sacrifice. The Bible said Peter and John had gone up to the temple at the hour of prayer. And while they were going there, they saw a certain man who was lame from his mother's womb. He had to be carried. Whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, 
to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. And he saw Peter and John about to go in, and so he asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. Isn't that good? I know a lot of times people would say, Well, you know, you got to get the us out of this. No, the us is a participant and a co-worker with God. Amen. We co-work with God, and there's so many times in life that we see so many people. And sometimes you got to get their attention. And the Bible said, he fastened his eyes upon them. And Peter said, look upon us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. And Peter said, silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately, the Bible says, his feet and his ankle bones received strength. That's powerful. And the Bible says, verse 8, he leaping up, stood and walked and entered into the temple with them, walking, leaping, praising God, verse 9, and all of the people saw him walking and praising God. So there was a witness in this man who had only been able to sit at the gate of the temple. And I see these words again here in this chapter. And it seems to me that uh, this word here, repent, is a part of the great message of not only the receiving of the Holy Spirit, but it's a message that we have to walk through the Holy Spirit in a repentive heart. Verse number 19, Peter says again, Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. For the time of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. The time of refreshing. I've heard today the word water, refreshing, rivers, latter rain. I've heard the word repentance. I've heard the word sin. I've heard the times of restitution here at Refreshing as we've just read it in the book of God. And we know today that it's only the Holy Ghost that can bring the presence of the Lord. And we certainly know how. He brings the presence by His movement upon the Word. Amen. What I like about living water is that it flows, that it moves. Over the past week or two, and, and I didn't study that for anything to add to a message or anything. I was just reading something that I had read many years ago. And I seemed to be drawn to it almost every night, about 15 minutes I would read it. And it was talking about Noah's Ark. It was talking about that they had sent out people to try to discover Noah's Ark. Now, when most people that are non-believers are looking for things such as artifacts that would be uh, things pertaining to the religion and to the Almighty, oftentimes they will go and look in places that's non-biblical. Like as if they could find something 
that would give evidence of something that was biblical. And so oftentimes somebody say, well, why would they look in the wrong places? Is because they don't want to prove that God is right. They are anti-God. Our school systems is anti-God. They don't want to teach the children according to the Word of God. They don't want to believe in the miracles of Almighty God. They don't want to believe in moving water and living water. They don't want to believe in eternal life. They believe everything's by chance and it just happened. And I was reading about the Dead Sea and how the Dead Sea developed and the things about the Dead Sea. I was reading about the place of Sodom and Gomorrah and that that it seems as if no one can find the records of something that it had done. No one has found Lot's wife. According to the Hebrews, she, didn't, she wasn't turned into a, a pillar of salt. Uh, I mean, she did, it didn't just happen. She had became a pillar of salt, a salt that had lost its flavor, savor. So when we're reading these things, we're reading them because we are believers. The reason we have this book in our homes, we carry it in our hands, perhaps a little New Testament in our automobiles, and because we hold to it is because we have faith in it, amen. We believe in the Word of God. I like what Steve said, the only class he ever failed. <laughs> I mean, that's something. It brings a point to my heart. Go with me, if you would, to the little book of Hosea, chapter 12. Hosea, chapter 12. And there's a word here that, as I was sharing in my Bible reading, I really come to my heart. And it's found in Hosea, chapter 12, verse number 3 and verse number 4. Now, it is speaking of Jacob, who later had his name changed to Israel. But I like the word here. By the name by, that it says and that the word reveals. Verse 3 He, Jacob, took his brother by the heel in the womb. Amazing. Amazing how life on the inside of the mother's womb is so suitable and so fitting for that child. It's in another realm. It's in another dimension. It's not yet born, but it is life. And they were twins. Jacob and Esau were brothers. And the Bible said that Jacob, listen to this, took his brother by the heel in the womb. And by his strength, he had power with God. Yea, he had power over, or I like the term with. He had power with the angel and prevailed. He wept and made supplication. This is, these are two powerful uh, verses right here. Now let me say verse 3 and verse 4 doesn't mean that everything that it says all took place in the womb. But it does say that he took his brother by the heel in the womb. And it's not speaking specifically of the womb, and I don't think this is of the womb. And by strength, by his strength, he had power with God or Yahweh. Verse 4 says he had power 
over the angel, and I, I, I think he had power with the angel because the angel he wrestled with was the Almighty himself. It was the Lord. These weren't all at the same time. They weren't the same events. I just like them that they've grouped them together as if he was given testimony of an individual. And when I see this, it really, it really, it says he had power with God. Oh, I like that. He had power with the angel and prevailed, bless God. I remember when he wrestled with the Lord that night when he was heading back to Isaac's house, to his father's house. The Lord said, it's almost the breaking of the day. And uh, he said, I won't turn thee loose, Lord. I mean, he had a hold on God. And he wasn't going to let God go until he received a blessing. And the Lord gave him a blessing, but he touched, touched the hollow of his thigh. And the Bible lets us know that he had a limp or an affliction there, at least uh, something that marked that he had wrestled with God. But I noticed the word here in verse number 4 says, and he prevailed. He got the victory, bless God. He got the victory. The Bible says he wept and made supplication. That means the same thing basically as repentance. A person don't genuinely repent unless their heart has been moved in such a way that they desire a change. They've been touched. Their emotions has been moved. And they repent. They confess and they repent. They weep oftentimes, weep bitterly. Weep, uh, I mean, just shed a river of tears. And they make supplication. That's pretty powerful. We've learned, I mean, this is through modern technology, and some knew this perhaps years ago, that a child in the womb can detect the voices of those who surround him. It's a known proven fact. Children hear from their mother's womb. I mean, they know they're affected if the mother does certain things that are harmful to their body. Those things are passed on into the child in the womb. You can play music. You can sing. The child, the baby that is unborn, still in the mother's womb, can oftentimes let the mother know that it hears what the mother's saying or singing or whatever it might be. The child can detect that. How many believes by faith that Jacob did take a hold of his brother's heel while he was in the womb? What does that really say to you? That Jacob was being moved prior to being born by the power and the Word of God. Hallelujah. The Bible says, I think there in the book of Genesis, the Bible talks about Levi, I believe it was, Paying tithes uh, before he was even born. Some of these things aren't put there because somebody just had a fancy to write them. They are the word, the very essence of the thought and the mind of God. God said of Jeremiah, Before I formed thee in the belly, 
I knew thee. The word knew means I was intimate with thee. How was he intimate with Jeremiah before he was ever formed in his mother's womb? By the movement of his word upon Jeremiah's existence prior to his existence. Oh, he's reincarnated. No, he wasn't going to be reincarnated. You know, he wasn't in some previous form. This is just things we receive by faith. These are things we read and things that we find assurance in. The word prevail again, I want to say to you, it means to conquer, to triumph, to overcome, to gain victory. And the Bible said he had power with the angel and prevailed. He grew in the womb in his physical life, and then he was beginning to grow in his spiritual life. He came into existence, and he developed, bless God. He increased. He became. He wasn't. Then he was. The Holy Ghost moved. Somebody says, yeah, but Brother Lee, I got you now. This is Old Testament. Well, I rest my case. It is the Word (laughs) that has no beginning and no end. Amen? Amen. I made a little joke about uh, Robert and the second shower, the last shower we had last, I guess the last week, wasn't it? And I said he had a little twinkle in his eye. Do you know what? A big twinkle. Not only, who's responsible for that twinkle? Well, the good Lord. He made man, male, and he made female, bless God. And he put twinkles in the eye. Amen? And he knew because of the twinkle, he knew that there would be birth and there would be production and there would be development and there would be increase and there would be what wasn't would become to be what it is. And that was all offspring. And I'm so thankful for that. I'm thankful for that today. And I'm just, and I'm just going, going to know, to know that the devil is not going to win in this thing because, because God's children are prevailing. Amen. You could speak the word to a dead womb, and that's what happened to Sarah's body. She was past the age of bearing children. He spoke it to a man who was dead also in his reproductive organs. And he said, you will have more children and you will be a blessing to all the world. And the Bible says they believed God and because they believed God, they brought forth a child. Hallelujah. Life is all about growing. All about growing. It's all about developing. It's all about increasing. It's all about becoming. This is a powerful word this morning. Go with me to Matthew chapter Matthew chapter 16. Scripture I'm not going to hold you long here today because I feel like we've really had a good move from God. I want to take you to Matthew chapter 16. I want to look at verse number 13. The Bible says, and this is the time that the Lord was walking upon the earth. He said when he came into the coast of Caesarea, he asked his disciples, Whom do men say that I the Son of Man am? The Son of Man, that begotten one, that begotten one. Who, 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 does, who does people say I am? They said, some say that you're John the Baptist. Some say Elias, which is Elijah. Some say Jeremiah, 
Some say other prophets. And he said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Peter answered and said unto him, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter knew enough to say that he was the Word. Peter knew enough to say that he was the Word that became flesh, that dwelt among men. And the Lord answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Peter, for flesh and blood, study, hearing people, has not revealed this unto you, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it. He said, But I say unto thee, verse number 18, the whole, but he said in verse number 18, 17, that it was the Father or the Spirit that made that revelation. Verse number 18, And he said, For I say also unto thee, Upon this rock, speaking upon himself, I will build my church, listen to this, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. They won't develop. They won't be. They'll never become successful over the church because my church is built upon a rock, bless God. And that rock is Christ, and that rock is the Word. Amen. Hallelujah. That's powerful this morning. And he said in verse 19, So I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom. Now we know the keys are used to open and the keys are used to lock. Somebody says, but Brother Lee, what are those keys? Well, I'll tell you what the keys are. They are the Holy Ghost keys. Amen. He moves on all things concerning the Word of God. All things. I used this sometime back. Not going there. Just want to bring it to your thoughts this morning. When God had a plan and God had a desire and desired a manifestation of that desire and wanted that to develop, the Bible says in the beginning God spoke the word and the Bible says the Holy Ghost moved upon that word and everything that God desired came forth. So we know that the word is powerful. He said, these words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. But the movement upon the word of God is by the Holy Ghost. We are living in one of the most privileged times the world has ever known. And that is the time when the believer has within himself the indwelling of the Holy Spirit without measure. It's just, it's just a matter of how much you want the Holy Spirit to develop you in your spiritual walk. That's the only limitations. Now, go with me to Second Chronicles. I want to go to the Old Testament, Second Chronicles. I, I'm building your faith today. I hope I am speaking something today that you are responding to because the Spirit of God is moving you upon the Word. I, I want to look here in Second uh, Chronicles chapter 20. Shared these passages down through the years. Always been a blessing. The Bible says in verse number 1, It came to pass that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon, with them on the other side, besides the Ammonites, they came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Jehoshaphat was a king of Judah. 
His kingdom was in Jerusalem. Anytime you set out to move forward, to proceed and prevail, prevail, you stir up and you agitate the adversary. The children of Israel were blessed, period. God had not seen anything perverse or vile in the children of Israel. Somebody said, yeah, but they committed a lot of sin. Yeah, but I said God didn't see it. Why? Because the children of Israel were still developing. They were still growing. You see, a mama sees that baby, and that baby's like, hey, I never did really. And i got to be honest with you. I won't be looking at your baby a lot, uh, you young people. And, man, did you guys bring a haul. I mean, you made a haul and a carryout last week. Ooh. Huh? You were very blessed. But I won't be looking at your baby much when your baby's fresh. I never did. Connie said, you want to hold... I said, no, I, I don't feel like I do. I was always afraid I might hurt them, break them, you know, do something. Because they always, you had to hold their heads just right. And I was just so afraid of them. But you give me one now that begins to get up there and want to start walking and crawling. And I'll spend time with you, baby. Amen. What's more precious than life given by the Almighty? Amen. What can bring you more joy than a child? Somebody says, well, it's, it is certainly a great joy. It is a great joy. Now, let me say to you here, in verse 1, the enemy was coming against Jehoshaphat, who re really represents God. That's who they were coming against. And someone came and told Jehoshaphat and said, a great multitude is coming against thee from beyond the sea on this side of Syria. And the Bible says in verse 3, King Jehoshaphat feared. But when he feared, the Bible says, he set himself to seek the Lord. Fear is a good thing if you can acknowledge proper fear. He set himself to seek the Lord. And then the Bible says he proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judea. And he prayed. He was a man of prayer. Verse number 4, Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. He prayed. Verse 5, and Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation in the house of the Lord. And he said, O Lord God, art not thou God in heaven? Rulest not thou over the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thine hand is there not power and might? so that none is able to withstand thee. Verse 7. Art not thou God who drivest, who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people and gave it to the seed of Abraham, thy friend, forever? And I can just see Jehoshaphat as he's praying. You know, we throw a lot of things in there when we're praying, especially when we're praying and the Spirit is leading us to pray. I'm sure he said to the Lord, you know, you called Abraham to come out of the land of Babylon. You called him to come into the land of Canaan. And remember, Lord, that into the land of Canaan he came. The Holy Ghost moved upon that word, and Abraham, he obeyed, Lord. 
I'm sure that he said a lot of words just like that. He said in verse 9, you said, if evil cometh upon us, the sword, judgment, pestilence, famine, if we would stand in this house and in thy presence in this good, and cry unto thee in our affliction, then thou would hear and help. He said in verse 10, And now behold the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir. They're all here standing united against us. Verse number 12, Wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. And Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. Verse 14, Then upon Jehazel, the son of Zechariah, latter portion of verse 14, came the Spirit of the Lord, and I could very easily insert, then came upon him the Holy Ghost in the midst of the congregation. Listen to this. And he said, Hearken, thus saith the Lord, Be not afraid, nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but it's God. It's not you that they hate. It's God they hate. It's God's Word they hate. It's the authority of God's Word and the Spirit that moves His Word. It's always... Stirred up the adversary. It'll stir up the adversary until the very end. But remember this, and there's nothing that can build your faith, give you more confidence. The Bible says, for the battle is not yours, but it's God's. Verse number 17, you shall not need to fight in this battle. There's some battles you will have to show a little bit more resistance. You'll have to defend yourself through His power. But he said, in this battle, set yourselves and stand still and see the salvation of the Lord with you. He said, for tomorrow, go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. And the Bible says in verse 20, they arose early in the morning. They went forth into the wilderness. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall you be established. Believe his prophets, and so shall you prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord, and that they should praise the beauty of holiness. And as they went out before the army, they were to say, Praise the Lord. Lord, for his mercy endureth forever. Hallelujah. And the Bible says they just kept going forward step by step, and they were singing the same thing over and over again. Praise the Lord, for his mercy endureth forever. The Bible says in verse 22, and when they began to sing and to praise, the Bible says the Lord set ambushments. Isn't that good? You can't separate the Holy Ghost from God's Word, whether it's Old Testament or New Testament. Never can you separate it. Oh, hallelujah. His mercy endureth forever. I want to go to Matthew 14 real quick. Matthew chapter 14. I'm pretty sure. 
Matthew 14. Let's look at it real quick. Matthew 14. Matthew 14. Let's make, make sure I get. Oh, my. I had a scripture picked out here. Oh, my. I've, I've lost my place here. This scripture was about, maybe somebody can help me out. This scripture, and maybe it's another chapter, maybe it's not even in Matthew. The man was brought to the pool of water, I believe, in Bethesda. 34, 38 years this man was set by the pool and it was known that at the moving of the water that the first one that would either jump into the water or touch the water was healed. And this man was laying there and the Lord saw him. And he asked this man, how come he had never got there? And he said, I've been in this condition all these years. And he said, when the water begins to move, he said, I can't get there. And the Bible really lets us know the Lord had compassion upon him. And the Bible says, he healed him right there. Somebody says, how did he get healed? Huh? Yeah, it is relevant. Huh? John 5. John 5. John 5. Let's look at it real quick. I won't read it all, but I just want to look at it real quick. John chapter 5. You know, I always try to have my stuff ready for you because I have been on the other side when the preacher can't find where he's going. Just let me pick up and I'll read the last three verses. Verse 7. The impotent man answered and said, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled or moved to put me in the pool. And while I'm coming, another steppeth down before me. Isn't that discouraging? Can't you imagine how this man had faith that he would be healed, but his healing never came. He couldn't get there. It was always a hindrance. Verse number 8, The Lord said unto him, Rise. I mean, this is the part I like. He, he, this man probably thought for half a second, you know, how, if I could rise, I'd get to the pool. He said unto him, Rise, take up thy bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. Isn't that something, the moving of the water? Somebody says, well, why did it have to be that way? Well, <laughs> I can't question the mind of God or the thoughts of God. I don't know. 
Somebody says, well, that probably looks sort of me like it became a competition. It might have been just set for this man that had been lame for all these years to get his healing. Amen. At the moving of the water. Can you say that with me? That'd be real good for us to say that together. The moving of the water. The moving of the water. Jesus said, for out of your bellies shall flow living water. That's the moving of the water. That's moving water. I, I want to close, and I'll take you to, I think actually I picked up the wrong list for my scriptures, but I believe that's in Ezekiel, and it's right towards the back. If we can find Ezekiel, I'll get you the chapter here in a minute. Uh, don't find my little list, but I, I think it's the 44th chapter. Chapter. And I, 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 I know I'm going to close this. this. It's, it's further back than that. that. Okay. okay. It's the 47th chapter. chapter. Close, close with the words, the words I'm going to say here. In Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 47, 47. we've been discussing the Holy Ghost movement. We've been going through this for some weeks at different points, picking up a few different thoughts. But I want to look here in this vision that Ezekiel had in the 47th chapter, and I'll begin to read. He brought me again unto the door of the house. And it's talking about the temple. And behold, waters issued out from under the threshold of the house eastward. Just try to imagine this. For the forefront of the house stood towards the east. And the waters came down from under the right side of the house at the south side of the altar. You know, one of the things I really like about the Word, and this is where sometimes you have to put your thinker on, and you have to maybe study a little bit and look into it and put line upon line and precept upon precept. In other words, what I like about it is the precision, the precision, the, the exactness, although sometimes seeming like there's no reason to give us all of those details, but... When I see it and study it all out, I see that God, He is that kind of a person. Huh? The Bible says they issued out from the right side of the house at the south side of the altar. Then brought me He out of the way of the gate northward and led me about the way wherewith, without, unto, well, there's a lot of withouts and with, with untos, but I like it. And he led me about the way without unto the utter gate. The other gate. I don't know. Is that King James got a misprint there? The utter gate. Well, I know what an utter is. It might be the, well, I guess it probably is the utter gate. That's one of the mysterious words. The utter gate, by the way, that looked eastward. And behold, there ran out waters on what? On the right side. And when the man that had the line in his hand went forth eastward, he measured a thousand cubits, and he brought me through the waters, and the waters were up unto my ankles. Just think about it. Oh, it's so good to refresh yourself. Stick your feet into the water. Men, Connie, we at least several times a year, we go down Highway 10 from up around uh, 
almost the edge of Arkansas, and we like to go down Highway 10. We like to go down into the curves, and we see the waters flowing, and we come on down to uh, what's the name of that water that goes just out there by Tahlequah? The Illinois River. Oh, praise God for the Illinois River. And a lot of times we don't go there to swim. We just go there and take our shoes off and stick our feet in the water because those waters are generally running. They're moving waters. And the Bible says, And again he measured a thousand and brought me through the waters, and the waters were where? Up to the knees. And again he measured thousands cubics, and he brought me through the waters, and they were where? They were up to the loins. And afterwards he measured a thousand, and it was a river that I could not pass over, for the waters were risen. They were waters to swim in, a river that could not be passed over. God don't want you passing over the Holy Ghost. He don't want you to get ahead of the Holy Ghost. He wants you in the waters. There will be times you will find satisfaction at the ankle or at the knee. Or at the loins. And there are times that the water will be a river to swim in. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Powerful. I think it goes well with the message that we had prior to the message. Amen. Some folks wouldn't understand it. Some folks... I'm not judging anybody. I'm just telling you this. That you don't want to miss out on this kind of water. It's available. It's free. It's so refreshing. Oh, hallelujah. 